There we go. We're back again for another episode of Friday Night Counter-Attack. And um, it's our last recording before well, before we've done our pre-recorded episodes for the Christmas period. And um, it's the last time I'm going to be talking whilst I'm at university. So it's my last time before um, I'm off for the semester. So it's, it's pretty good to get on with this and um, be ready to have a, a month off university, which would be good. But we're joined by Amar, who we were joined by previously last year as well, or earlier this year, I should say. Amar, how are you doing? And how's everything going for you? Uh, yeah, not bad, not bad. Kind of disappointed that football's been cancelled, but, you know. But my it's... tongue, but my tongue just said, sorry. Um, <laughs> I thought you was grimacing at the fact that I'd mentioned it so quickly after it literally just, I don't know how, I don't know how early they announced it, but you just hear it and it's a bit, because it gives you something forward to look forward to, which is a bit disappointing. But that, That's the worst thing. You know what it is, um, Amar? It's the fact that, Everything just felt like it was coming back to normal step by step. You had all the crowds coming in, you had all the tickets going in. Uh, so consciously yeah. you were thinking of games like in the Champions League coming up in a few months' time. Oh, let me try and get tickets for that. That'll be fun. And then just like that, it's done. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I was so close to getting tickets for the Brentford United game. Mm, that would have been uh, good. And uh, yeah, that got cancelled. So I'm so it's glad great. you didn't get them. It's, it's like with me, I had tickets to the Brighton game. Uh, as of, at the time of speaking, it's in two, it was meant to be in two days' time, but they stopped it um, from happening today, which is very good because there are fans up and down the country who have had to go to games um, away or at home. Just to find out it's been cancelled. Just to find out it's been cancelled. So most of our topics for today's podcast has been around the football and the best and the worst of the Premier League so far. So it doesn't feel right talking about that on this episode today because we're just there thinking it's all awful what if? Yeah, yeah, just what if? It's just it's just all awful. So it, it's ridiculously worrying to see how the Premier League clubs are actually dealing with this. And some of them are actually still playing um, at the time of speaking as well. Some of them aren't. Yeah. And it's, it's quite sad to see how football can just, again, take another two, three steps back. Uh, we've seen that in, in Europe as well. They're playing without fans in the stadium, which is almost just as bad. And now, yeah, but I suppose at least for the fans, at least the game's going ahead for it yeah. so they can still hear about a potential result and still watch it on television that's that's one thing it's yeah. just the fact that when you spend all this money and you're like oh yeah I'm, I'm making up for the lost time of not having watching um football in stadiums and then you're just there like damn it it's gone again but my bank my bank balance will be a lot healthier i'm not going to any games at any time <laughs> i'm quite happy about that as well um but no basically what i wanted to ask you Amar, was basic um basically on on this conversation that we've had uh previously we had a Q&A or two, a couple podcasts. Actually, I think it was one of the earlier podcasts that we had in terms of um, when we started the podcast. And because we're hoping to get reunited with the guys in person again, I thought I'd ask some of the questions to you and to me as well. So it'd be yeah. quite fun to have a conversation in terms of the Q&As and um, what conversations yeah. um, have changed really over the last couple of years. We'll see if Salem jumps on anytime soon. Uh, but realistically speaking, I don't think anything's really going to happen. If, if he comes on, if he comes on, it would be great. But if not, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, which mm-hmm. should be good. Um, but no, first things first, um, I wanted to ask, oh yeah, so everyone listening today, the, the basically the podcast is like a little Q&A between the two of us. So these are uh, questions that we've been asked by our followers on Instagram previously in terms of what we'd expect and what we wanted to do and this, yeah. that and the other. So uh, the first thing that we've got is, yeah, the first thing that we've got is, if you had a chance to go back in time and watch one goal live, which goal would it be and why? Oh, there's so many like just good candidates. Like off the top of my head, the first thing that came to mind is 99 oh, Solskjaer Champions. Yeah, literally, that's the first thing that came to mind. But then if you think about like just as a, not as a football fan, like, they just so many great goals. Uh, Ronaldo versus Porto. Ronaldo versus Arsenal Champions League. The free kick from God knows how far out, forty mm. yards or something. And uh, it was there's just so many. Uh, even like Messi's goals. There's just just great goals. It's hard to pick one definitive one out of all of them because they all have their own place in history. That which... being said, which one are you going to choose? Basically, uh-huh. I, have to, I have to rephrase this because the question was, it couldn't be from your own team that you support. But I've got rid of that last bit because I thought if you oh, okay. support one... I was going to say, even okay, for a team that I don't support, 
I would say, even though I'm, I hate it so much, like Aguero 2012 QPR. <laughs> why? Why, but, uh, would you, why would you want to watch that goal live in, of all goals? Did oh, you know that is one of the biggest what ifs in football? Like, what if Aguero didn't score that goal? We're turning it into that Marvel show now, just saying what. Yeah, literally, that, that, that is. Um, but if you think about it, like that, if that goal set City on the course where they are now, exactly, and that took them up to astronomical heights in the Premier League. And obviously, Sergio Aguero has recently retired as well, and he had that picture yeah. last season where he had all of the trophies that he won, and he won like five Premier Leagues, five League Cups, and FA Cup, all yeah. the domestic trophies you can look for, Community Shields, and it's just and the, the Champions fact, League. That was a what if for me. Like, what if he actually went to a bigger club at the time like he could have easily have gone to Real Madrid or Barcelona not Real Madrid but like Barcelona or Bayern Munich or Chelsea even but he chose Man City which is a big uh, big move for him and it worked a out benefit as well yeah bold move it's like after the season after Yaya Torre and David Silva moved and Carlos Tevez was already there as well and it just changed the face of um, football in England as well having Sergio Aguero in, in the country as well but it, it was a fantastic player to watch I hated watching him every time he played against Man United yeah. he mostly scored against us yeah, that's, really uh, like if you like take if you put apart like the fan rivalries and the fact that he's a city player, he was one of the greatest strikers in the Premier League. Astronomical goal scorer, one of the best goal scorers we've ever seen, and it's been it's been great to have him. Uh, it's just really sad how this whole situation has occurred of him moving to Barcelona and him having uh, breathing problems by playing football. And people are linking it to the COVID vaccine, so I'm not going to com- comment on that because I don't know anything. Um, to yeah, it's. It's difficult to say with footballers because you know it's so difficult. It's just sad re- regarding his health and everything like that. So yeah, you know, uh, I, I remember seeing like a video. I can't think of BT Sport. Like you'd always want to go out on your own terms. Mm. It's it's probably the hardest part is to go out forced to be retired rather than I have did- that great send off. Yeah, that'd be so worrying to see how it actually would have been. Like he could have carried on for another two, three years at uh, Barcelona as well, and. Even for me on my career mode at the moment, I've got Schalke as a career mode team. And I signed Aguero as a free agent. And I'm like, oh, Aguero, free agent. He's only 80 rated, but he still bangs the goals in. He's an amazing finisher. You don't lose that finishing touch as well. No, you don't. It's something you're born with. It's exactly. Just there. Um, the goal that I would choose, um, I may have questioned this before. I, I may have said this before. But I think to make it, to make it easier um, for the listeners, for the, for, if I was in a stadium watching one goal, for a team that I didn't support, but I thought would have been, wow. It would have been Lionel Messi versus Liverpool. No, Lionel Messi versus Real Madrid in 2011 at the Bernabeu. Actually, saying that, that reminds me of actually another goal that would have just been amazing to be in the stadium to watch. Barcelona's comeback versus PSG. Uh, The final goal by Sergio Roberto. That final, like, forget the fact that it was Sergio Roberto scoring. The final goal literally mm. meant everything to those Barcelona fans. And Barcelona, there. I apologize to our listeners for making that sound. That sound may not sound great when you're listening, but it was just. <laughs> you might want to edit that out afterwards. I'll keep, keep it, it in. Out. I'll keep it in. People, people will find it. Will find it different, uh, different ways as well. But no, that was an amazing game and an amazing comeback as well. Because when Cavani scored for PSG, you're thinking, okay, game over. They're definitely not coming back from this, and they came back from it ridiculous yeah. magic of the Champions League that's, that's the thing about the away goals rule now it's no longer there so I'm not sure how magical it's going to be now without away goals yeah. it's just going to be the same it's going to be differently it is but I, I think it yeah it kind, kind of does make matches lose that little sparkle because mm. it forces a team to like be on the front foot straight away exactly right. No, it's true because it's it's keeping them alert for 180 minutes as opposed to just finishing them off in like 90 minutes and not worrying about the second leg and resting their plays as well. Yeah, which makes complete sense. All right, next question: If you had to visit a country uh, and you had to and you had to play football in that country, which country would that be and why? So previous answers, we've had like the favelas in Brazil. We've had like Japan. Well, I've said Japan because I'm bloody sister. <laughs> so um, if you had to go to anywhere in the world and play football, like on the favelas, street football, foosball, whatever it is in a stadium, where would you go to and why? That's... Wow. Yeah. Go uh... to the Serengeti in Kenya. 
<laughs> Keep ball. all the lions, not make the elephants. Long balls up to the giraffes up there as well. Uh, if someone gets tackled by a rhinoceros, crunch, just dead. Just um, yeah, oh, that's a tough question. Brazil would sort of be the first place you'd naturally think of because mm. you like street football, the flair, the copper, the America's everything like that. The, the total vibes. football advert, the four total football adverts back in the day, 2004 or 5, those mm. sort of adverts. Jogger Benito. That was Crazy. it. I forgot what it was called. That was it. Um, it is what well, as in like it's hard to really say because Brazil's always a good shout. Mm-hmm. Japan, yeah, it's a shout. On it's really tough. I'll probably say Spain. You're you're trying to be as ambitious as possible, right? <laughs> yeah, like well, I can go to Spain at any point. <laughs> just exactly. <laughs> it's, just, it's like cheaper to go to Spain than it is to go to London at this point. So yeah. Crazy. So uh, <sighs> it's. It's, I don't know because I don't really know any great footballing nations that will be that have like that heritage of a lot of football. Of Mexico? Like a lot of, that's actually a very good shout as well. Mexico, uh, the street football there would probably be very similar to like Brazil, Argentina, those sort of places. That Maracanã stadium as well, the huge stadium they have. That's, that's a great stadium, yeah. Coliseum. Yeah, well. It's yeah, not a Coliseum, but you know what I mean. It's like a colossal yeah, well, ground, basically. It is it's just, it probably would be either Mexico or Italy just playing in the San Siro, one of like the legendary stadiums of the time, even though it's unfortunately like dilapidated now. Yeah, unfortunately. And they're looking at moving out the San Siro both into Milan and AC Milan. So that's, that's a horrible sight to see as well. Yeah, one um, of the great stadiums gone. For me, if I had the chance to play football anywhere in the world, I would like to play football in Saudi Arabia. Bold choice. Bold choice, bold choice. Now, you know what it is? I think it's the fact that when you go to... When you go you to these... And play football at midnight because you're definitely not playing during the day. You're not playing during the day. It's just going to be too haram on my skin. It's going to be boiling and you're going to get suntan everywhere and you're going to... Um, have skin condition after skin condition you know what it is it's basically like I've, i think it would be really cool to play football in um not not in like the masjids or anything or in the mosque or anything like that like literally like in the deserts in saudi arabia because they look really cool and very um undiscovered the fact that there's yeah. a lot of less tourism in saudi arabia i think it would be really cool to just like kick ball and play some long ball passes up and down with, with your boys just playing just there. ping it so up and down the sandbank sandbanks yeah, if it, if it just goes up the dune and down the dune and you're thinking, oh my God. Stand on the other side of the dune just blast it over. You have to go and run up the dune. Like, oh, where's the ball gone? And you play with like a white ball as well so it like just blends in with the sand. That that would be pretty cool, I think. Because it would feel like you're also like on another world or you're like somewhere in Star Wars. Mars. Like Mars. Mars even for like... Um, they film a lot of Mars content for like films in Jordan from Petra because of the red sands and everything. That would be crazy. Um, next question we've got, uh, kind of for this year as well, in a way. Uh, which uh, Premier League manager has impressed you the most this season, and why? David Moyes. David Moyes, my guy. He got the best out of Jesse Lingard as well last season as well. So <laughs> well but, uh, but if you just think about it, like you, how would you say? United's money because you've not played enough games to do anything like with Jürgen Klopp and Pep like you expect that from them so you can't really be impressed by them if you expect it it's normal for them to have that Tuchel yes to a level but it's kind of dropping off now but like it's a best of the best is definitely David Moyes how he's managed to get that West Ham squad playing <clears throat> and playing the way that they are I thought they were very unlucky yesterday against Arsenal. I saw the highlights back and it didn't look like a red card from Kufal at all. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I, I haven't watched the highlights either, but it just felt it felt like West Ham going into the game were the favourites to beat Arsenal. Arsenal were what, what West Ham were six, seven, eight years ago. Mm. And just like sloppy mid-table team. But definitely, um, definitely David Moyes is probably one of my surprise with how, considering what he's gone through, mm-hmm. United, gone there, set, like, everyone thought that's it, he's never going to recover from it. Sunderland, he didn't recover as well. 
Yeah. Um, Ralph Sossier daddy didn't have a good time as well. It was quite sad because you're then thinking, is he going to become one of these other managers like Mark Hughes and Sam Allardyce and Tony Foolish? They're just, we just like trying to fill every other job in the Premier League just so they can get a job. But you yeah. end up going back to West Ham t- a second time around as well. And he made it his own. And it's brilliant to see how yeah, it's... Yeah, it's nice to see that. It's, I think it comes down to the board as well because they had the faith in him to do what they need to because they had a bit of a tired time as well a few seasons ago. They weren't great, but mm. they sort of pulled through all of that. And they're forming a formidable team. It's good to see how they're going as well in the Europa League as well. They can't yeah. really qualify for the next round. West Ham versus good. Barcelona final, the Europa it's, League. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're <laughs> going to see more of West Ham in Europe for the next few years as well, which is good. Um, yeah. For me, I, I'd agree with you. I'd also add Patrick Vieira in there as well. And I think the Wolves manager as well, I forgot his name. Um, but Wolves Bruno Lage. Bruno Lage, that's it. He's, he's done pretty well so far. He's come back from a torrid time in, um, at the beginning of the season. He had a couple of off-putting results against Liverpool and Man City, but they were just, just like that. I thought Patrick Vieira has done very well. Yeah, I think, Patrick Vieira. I think like definitely. yourself, I'll definitely agree with David Moyes having such a really good start to the season and really building on from what he's had previous years as well and keeping that core um, um, core team from last year. Um, yeah, just still building. Still going. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like, it's not like half of his team has been poached by the bigger teams. It's like, well, what... Really, from West Ham, considering the current point of the table, there's only three other teams you'd think about going to. And realistically, if any of the other teams come in, like, well, I'm already battling even on my, well, as of yesterday, was what, fourth? And you, the other teams were fifth. You're like, well, why would I move? Like, probably better wages, but am I guaranteed to like be as played or as used as you will, will be at West Ham? Exactly. There's there's more to come from that as well, from that West Ham side. I'm looking forward to it as well, which yeah. will be good to see. Uh, next question we've got. Um, well, it kind of it kind of applies in a way. Um, but which player has had the larger impact on football for you, Ronaldo or Ronaldinho? So this is a poll that we put out um, recently on our on our social media page. But um, would you say Ronaldo, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, or Zinedine Zidane? Which players had a larger impact on football? I haven't included Lionel Messi for this for some reason, rather, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, I possibly would say Ronaldo because the fact that he came onto the scene at such a like at young age, and he wasn't facing like terrible teams in Europe. He was facing like a really good AC Milan side, a really good Inter Milan side, a really good Barca side, a really good Real Madrid side. By like he's facing its really good teams. And he did really well. And it sort of shows, because there's been, obviously, at the start of his career at United, he wasn't the greatest step of his, like, every three seconds, skill moves going to everybody. But it sort of showed that he had the talent there, but he needed to work hard. And it shows, like, if you want to be a footballer, you follow Ronaldo's example of how to be a footballer, because you see so many players that can be quality. And but, they don't um, get past that next step. Yes, Amar, you're agreeing with me on this one. Yeah. We, we agree a lot, to be fair, but this is a, a thought that I've had a lot in terms of a lot of players don't get past that next step of providing the end product. I don't know why I'm doing this with my yeah. hands, but providing the end product <laughs> as a winger is crucial in this day and age. Um, yeah. Because you could easy, easily be, a, I've, I said this, I've used this term a lot, you could easily be a Theo Walcott or you could be a Sadio Mane. You could rather provide the goals and assists, or you could not. So you could end up at Southampton, or you could end up at Liverpool. Crazy, yeah. and that's yeah. what Cristiano Ronaldo brought into into his into his way of playing as well. And that's how he changed his game from being a tricky winger, again being a goals and assist winger at the same time, to being an out and out striker as well. And it shows that his his longevity for me has um, impressed the most, really. Because there's that there's that uh, I think it's a meme or something that I saw on Instagram where it's like. Xavi was retired at his age. Iniesta was in Japan at his age. Ronaldinho had been out of a club for, at his age. Zidane had retired at his age. Henri was in New York at his age. And yeah. Ronaldo's still behind me, playing for Manchester United in the biggest league of all. And still yeah. playing for Portugal as well. He's not retiring anytime soon. He's still going. And he's showing yeah. different fitness levels than ever before in a football play. It's uncanny. Yeah, it's, he's like, he's like, as a footballer, he's the one you look up to. Mm to inspire to be like no one's going to come to close to his level or Messi's level for that 
fact, like those two are above everything else. Like what you want to do is come as close to that level as you possibly can. Uh, but you're never gonna get those sort of players again. I, I'd like to. I'd like to think like Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe would have learned something from this generation's uh, amazing players like Messi, Ronaldo, how they've done it to continue to look to strive to do that into their 30s and 40s. Because we still remember that they're only 22, 23. They're still young for themselves and they've been around the block a few few years already. You want to see yeah. how they continue to do it and you don't want it to be like a burnt out product by the end of 31, 32 because they've played so much football. That's something I hope that they learn from and they could uh, yeah, develop into, the, into themselves. Sorry, you were going to say something? No, I was going to say they've got to learn to look after themselves. That's really the main point. 100%. Um, next question we've got is where have we got? Uh, so basically, eh, it, it works for you as well. Uh, name one Wayne Rooney memory that you have, your favorite Wayne Rooney memory. So, this was basically at the time when Wayne Rooney had retired or he'd gone to Everton. Uh, or, or Derby, sorry, you went to Derby. It's hard to pick because there's just there's one immediate one that stands out just straight away. Well, two for me actually, mm. and I think you know what the one, the first one is the overhead kick against City, absolutely superb, insane brilliant, goal. insane. The the second one I would say is a long range effort against West Ham that gets replayed quite a lot because at that point he was sort of on a decline. It wasn't the Wayne Rooney that everyone knew Wayne Rooney to be there's yep. a lot of criticism starting around him at that time and that just sort of showed he still got it but he he's more of a team player at that point because I'm sure you remember that goal uh, for I can't remember who was in America was it New York? DC United DC United yeah where he tracked all the way back tackled the ball put in a superb cross and ended up winning the match uh, and then just walk was... back to the halfway line. It's like, yeah, let's just let's just carry on. All the rest yeah, of the like, team are celebrating. Like, this is amazing! Oh my god! And Wayne like Rooney, proper like, professional. Nah, nah, you know, like, let's let's just go back to the halfway line. Let's do it again. <laughs> let's start again, lad. Let's start again, uh, lad. Let's go. Let's go again. Yeah, like that's it. And then, like, us, us, I think this one is somewhat underlooked because of the finish. But he's passed the Van Persie mm. against Villa. Like, like Van Persie can only. F- finish if the service the only put that volley in if the service is good enough but that ball was absolutely like perfect it was the definition of pinpoint right there yeah amazing. literally on his toe it's like it's triangle and L1 all the way over <laughs> worked perfectly yeah, so exactly good. it's brilliant it's I'd say those are my top three like ones that when you say Wayne Rooney hmm. definitely the overhead kick against City is up there straight away. First thing that comes to mind. Just a great player. No, that's absolutely cool with me. My one, um, one of my favourite Wayne Rooney memories was the fact that on one of my first games uh, that I got to go to, I got to watch Man United versus West Ham and Wayne Rooney scored the only goal of the game in an FA Cup replay. So that was one of my favourite Wayne Rooney goals. He missed the penalty in that same game. He blasted it over the bar, uh, but it didn't matter because we won the game and got through to the next round of the FA Cup. Another yeah. one was watching Wayne Rooney score against Tottenham the day where he had that boxing celebration. Oh, yes, I remember that one. Yeah, you know, lad, I've got to get knocked out by Phil Basley right there. Yeah. And Uh, and everyone was getting gas on him. And I'm just there like, we'll see what happens. Because it was under Louis Van Howe as well. So you're just thinking, where's he going to play? He played him as the main striker. He nutmegged um, Dyer, went past Bentaleb, went past Bentaleb, nutmegged Dyer, slotted the past Lloris, and then just right in front of where I was sitting knocking them out and just yeah. went through the knockout that place. also reminds me uh, I can't believe I forgot this one actually his goal against Newcastle when he was arguing the ref and then just turns around and blasts the thunderous volley straight past uh, the keeper I can't remember who it was at the time it, it wasn't was it Shea Given or was it Harper it was one of their keepers it was one I think it might have been Shea Given um, I just remember those two were the keepers at the time for Newcastle so it been yeah. uh, it was, for some reason in my head I had Tim Grawl because it feels like he's been in football forever he has been football forever. You can just remember his days uh, at Newcastle as like the third choice goalkeeper when he was good enough to be in the Netherlands squad as well under Louis van Gaal. And now yeah. just at Norwich as well. But goalkeepers last a lot longer than outfield players. Yeah, they don't tend to have as much to do in a sense. But they're the ones that, if they make a mistake, they're getting everything, every bit of abuse. Getting hammered, mate. They're getting absolutely hammered. Oh, Next question we've got. Name your top three youngsters in the Premier League. 
there's no and why. But if you have top okay. three uh, youngsters to watch out for in the Premier League, um, I'll start with this one. So it's quite easy, really, I think. It's, it's, it's ridiculously easy. Trent Alexander-Arnold. See, here's the thing. What would you classify as a youngster? Under what age is a youngster? 24, 23? How old is Trent? It's got to be 23, right? I think he's about 23, 24, but he is... Okay, let's let's try let's try younger. Pause. Nah, that's nah. We're not we're not we're not that kind of person. We're not that kind of podcast. We're not pausing on that. Um, <laughs> what have we got? What have we got? Let's yeah. go. Phil Foden, still youngster. Phil Foden, uh, Saka as well. Saka's definitely youngster. Smith Rose is a youngster. Greenwood's yeah. a youngster. Greenwood definitely. Um, uh, Roja, that striker from Southampton, is a youngster. Yeah. Um, Probably not in the top, but he's still a youngster, then like 19 or 20. Yeah, what's his name? The Wolves left wing, uh, Wolves striker. What's his name? We got Trincao. Uh, Trincao, that was it. Trincao. Quality player, Trincao. Very good. I just think he needs to just go build back to on Barcelona. <laughs> well, too good for Wolves. Um, people saying that about a Triore. Let's talk about Mason Greenwood, to be fair. I want to talk about Mason Greenwood. How far can Mason Greenwood go, Amma? Do you reckon he could end up being our uh, record goal scorer, record appearance holder, maybe? How far can Mason Greenwood go for Manchester United? I, I remember this sort of discussion happening about the same time Rashford burst onto the scene and when he was just doing absolute Big. great things. Yeah, it, it, it's difficult to say because... <sighs> Like, will he have that dip in form? Yeah. Will he have like a string where he's just not scoring f- five, six, seven games in a row? Because if that happens, he's not going to be top goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, unless he goes through a really good purple patch where he scores 10, 15 goals or whatever to cover that deficit. It really sort of makes it. But like, you've seen his finishing ability. He's got, he's definitely a great finisher with both feet as well, which is unique to him, I, s- I suppose, in, like, in terms of that United squad. No, apart from obviously Ronaldo, no real player can finish as comfortably with the left or the right foot. And his composure as well. He has amazing composure for a young player as well, compared yeah. to the likes of Rashford and Martial at the time. Martial had c- good composure, to be fair, but the balance and composure and the finishing ability of Marcus uh, Rashford isn't on the quality of Mason Greenwood. Because Mason Greenwood, yeah has had it since we've seen him in the first team and it's brilliant to see. It's like he's just used to doing it, which is crazy. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. But Yeah, I, I think he's in a great spot. He's got one of the best strikers in the world to learn from. Mm. And then he's also got Cavani, who's an elite striker. Like, I don't care what anyone says, he is an elite striker. You don't consistently stay for that long in the top flight without could... scoring goals and without being anything. Like you that. can see how much uh, Mason Greenwood appreciates being with Edison Cavani as well. The fact that yeah. last season, there's that game against Roma, I think, and Mason Greenwood, um, I think he fouled yeah, someone yeah. for Roma. Cavani uh, came up and was like, get out of lit- Yeah, literally, I'm trying to remember his name now, but I know exactly what, I know, I remember that clip vividly and just, just Greenwood, because he appreciates that fact. And I, th- I think he's trying to mould himself into sort of Cavani way, mm. where lethal finisher. And there's more like a poacher where he'll just be in and around the fox in the box, basically, in and around the area and try just try his luck. Because if you're not in that area, very little chance he's going to score. Where do you see Mason Greenwood finishing in his career? Do you see him as the main number nine striker or do you see him playing as a winger? I see him playing as a number nine striker, but I feel yeah. like because of his, because of Man United strikers. Um, utility as a striker and as a winger. They through the academy they learn how to play as a winger and a striker, or as a yeah. midfielder that played to be rather an attack midfielder and a centre mid or a centre mid and a holding mid. Yeah, I think that's kind of a negative thing in a way. Yeah, I, I personally think it depends on whether his speed and acceleration starts declining massively, mm. because the thing is the like a lot. Like if you notice, a lot of the wingers tend to be fast and tricky because they could like weave in and out of players and try and get through them. Um, you don't really see slow wingers, which is pointless. They tend to bring them more inside, and also it, as a winger with Greenwood, you'd expect him to either cut in on his right foot, or maybe go for a goal or inside pass, or pull it on his outside if yeah. he keeps his pace. But 
I think with his finishing ability, he'll be more suited, possibly not as a main number nine, but as like a shadow striker. Someone to operate behind like a main number nine, just to sort of pockets of space. Just small, like all he needs is half a yard and he'll get a shot off. Yeah, he just needs a, a partnership in a way, just, just to play alongside. I think that'd be really good. Yeah, I would be well. interested to see either him and him and Cavani up front and see how it goes. Yeah, I'd like to see how how much he does under this. Um, blah, blah, blah. You know how he's got four two two two, and on the weekend yeah. it was Ragnick playing Ronaldo and Rashford up front. I think Ronaldo and Green would be a very good partnership up front. Yeah, I know. I, I know people are saying they don't pass to each other or there's not enough chemistry or whatever it is. That's something that can be worked on through Ralph, right? Yeah, I think that's chemistry, when you, like, have a... you don't get instant chemistry. It has yeah, exactly. to be worked on. You've got it a left foot striker, right foot striker, you've got a goal poacher, and you've got someone who can run through the channels. They can both do amazing things yeah. with the ball at their feet. So someone something who, someone who can drop deep, someone who can peel off behind. Because you're always giving something the defenders to think about, like, do you stick or do you, like, what do I do here? Which is, I suppose, a, a problem that United are having. Like, sometimes their attacking play can be quite predictable it's mm-hmm. quite, quite easy which is a bit unfortunate when you think you got Ronaldo on the wing pitch wing sorry I thought you said you said Ronaldo on there then you cut off R- no Ronaldo like up there sorry that's what I meant to say like oh, okay. Ronaldo up there as like a striker you, you'd expect to play to his strengths which is to be fair is everything that's but okay. I, I, I get the I get the feeling that they don't want to rely on Ronaldo too much but he will always give you a, a, a moment of glory. That's 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 a lot to do. No, that's 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 pretty good to be fair. Um, but yeah, I think we'll go like we don't know how we're going to describe the youngsters because there's so many. We mentioned Greenwood, Foden, Saka, uh, Trent, Smith Rose, James, Chalaba's doing pretty well, Mason Mount, even. Um, next question we've got Will Jose Mourinho ever be um, a top manager and, and manage the top club again? We wouldn't know the answer to that, Amar. But I believe Jose Mourinho has one more job in him where he could potentially win the Champions League or a league title, and that will be it. Because then I think the game has changed so much from the way of playing that he wants to play, personally. Because I feel like he could have taken over at Inter Milan when Conte left, but he went to Roma a bit earlier when the manager uh, managerial position took over. I think he could have gone back to Inter Milan and they could have challenged for um, the league title under him. What do you think? He's a great manager, no doubt. I think like his managerial play style did change football in ways that people haven't realised yet. Especially in England. Yeah, it's, especially like his first spell under Chelsea that like 15 goals conceded, which is absolutely ridiculous. Nuts, over mate. a whole season, like oh. half a goal a game pretty much. Uh, it's difficult to say because unfortunately he's going through a bit of a tough patch with Roma as well. Hmm. Um, I, think he, I think his system needs the entire team to buy into the way he, that he plays. Um, and you've just got to understand that it's Mourinho. Uh, unfortunately, it's a bit of a shame that you haven't got to see him at his peak for as long as it's been for some of the other managers. Do you think but his I... tactics are knackered out though, Amar? Do you reckon it's the fact that whenever a manager comes up against Jose Mourinho, they think, I know exactly what he's going to do and how he's going to set up? Yeah, because like in his big games, he tends to like his his main focus tends to be let's not concede and nick a goal, mm-hmm. which to his credit sometimes does work. Unfortunately, sometimes doesn't. But I just think if a team knows that you're going to set up to defend to nick a goal, then you you tend to like let the midfield drop a little bit deeper, let the defense drop a little bit deeper, and just like like the front four. And maybe like a, an extra midfielder just go in to like pass it around and just try and do something. Mm-hmm. But it's it's honestly a shame because he was like honestly he was a great he is a great manager. Like I don't know what I'm saying was he is a great manager. I just think he personally I just think he needs a like an extended break from football because uh, he's literally been bouncing from job to job to job to job and not really a massive break uh, where I think he potentially could could do with because he's burnout it happens to everyone regardless if you're a football manager or anything it's it's a bit of a shame it's life isn't it you just do so much so um so soon and consistently even just taking two three years out of the game 
and coming back with new yeah. ideas of, and new coaching um, yeah. staff with him as well. That could be better. I reckon the old Jose did, Mourinho again. Yeah, if he did take two or three years out, we could be potentially seeing uh, prime Mourinho back, like elite Mourinho with his uh, trolling ways on the touchline. I miss that, man. Do you know how annoying it is when you've got all these Premier League managers who are just nice as he nice with everyone? Like, the fact that Mourinho and Guardiola were in the Premier League, that disappointed me because there was no fiery hostile um, anything like they did at Inter Milan and Barcelona, Real Madrid and Barcelona. You're just there thinking Mourinho's kind of conceded the fact that he can make jokes and quips about Pep Guardiola. But on the touchline, when you've seen them, they're just grown-ups, really. Realistically, that's what they were. Yeah, and I suppose that's what a lot of fans want to see from the manager is the passion. Because, you know, if the manager has a passion, they, that passion sort of rubs off on the players. It's infectious. And the, and yeah. the fans as well. Conte uh, yeah. is good at that as well. But I think it, it could just be the, the... I don't want to say it, but it could be that. It's just... He's no longer that youthful coach anymore. So he's got loads of... Um, loads of years he left to coach, but he's no longer in the youth of his management career as well, which, which is crazy. How old is he now? Like 56? Yeah, 57, 56, around that, which is going to be, which is and gonna how be old crazy. Klopp is about 47, 50. Yeah, Klopp's around 51, 52. So he's got that rock and roll passion at, at, all, at all times as well, which is crazy. It's really yeah. good. I just I, speaking of managers now, it kind of wonders like where are these next star managers going to come from? You see all these clubs hiring their club legends, and they're all trying to copy Zidane and how they actually do it. Like Xavi going yeah. to Barcelona, not the one. Lampard going to Chelsea, not the one. Solskjaer going to Man United, not the one. Excuse me, but you're seeing it, and you're thinking this is a good way of getting into management. But they need proper experience, two, yeah. three jobs before going for a big job. Lampard had the one job, Xavi had the one job, Solskjaer had the two jobs, but they weren't very good jobs that he did. At, um, Cardiff but, and Mold. But then here's the point like Patrick Vieira, he was managing what New York nice. MLS, New York F- FC. Yeah, he did well, New York nice, thing, did nice. and then Nice. But like, if you think about it, they're not great teams. But it's not even that. It's, like, it's more like developing your coaching style and your philosophy at the Yeah, and, and I think that's what Vieira's got differently compared to Lampard. Xavi, hmm. uh, you know, I, I'd say the verdict's too early on Xavi at the moment. Yeah, jury's he's out. Still, he's still like he's still too early in his career for a management role to say whether he's been a, a stinker or not because mm-hmm. he's still working to get rid of the, the terrible. The, yeah, yeah, the stinker at Barcelona. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's honestly it's sad to see the way Barcelona have declined over the years, but mm. it's going to happen uh, eventually. Um, in fact, that, that brings me on to an actual point. I saw... Why um, is your leg on camera? No, I was, I was scratching my leg. <laughs> Not Sorry, suitable yeah. for the work environment. <laughs> An SFW tag. <laughs> this, will be, uh, this will be like um, pixelated out if we were to put this on YouTube. <laughs> uh, Sorry, well, car- carry on, carry on. <laughs> I, I saw a tweet saying that a lot of the big clubs now in six, seven years' time mm. won't be as big as they are now. And you'll see a lot more sort of middling clubs becoming these star players, like becoming these like powerhouses in Europe or in, the, in their own countries because they're developing so well within their own set. They know what they want to do. They've got a plan. They know what they want to do. And they're kind of executing it. It's taken a while. And I thought that's a really interesting take on like big clubs keeping big being big clubs and small clubs it's the fact that money's there to be shared around now and the fact that when you develop a coaching philosophy within the whole ranks like taking um pep guardiola for example at man city he did the whole thing with the psg um, with the man city academy with the barcelona academy with the Bayern munich academy when he was there and that's what and you've reaped you've seen the um the fruits that they've reaped in terms of like the likes of joshua kimmich coming through and playing in a certain way um, that benefits Bayern Munich at the time as well. And the fact that um, with Phil Foden coming through as well, they're playing in a certain way as well. It's the fact that when you have a coaching philosophy and it's so identifiable, you see it coming through the ranks and it's really good to see. And just yeah. like you mentioned, uh, even with Ralph Ragnick earlier, he had the whole system in the in the Red oh. Bull group as well. Yeah. So he set up how Red Bull uh, Salzburg would play, how Red Bull 
Um, Leipzig would play as well, and yeah. the Red Bull New York team. But, uh, his with the Ragnik, I find is he will probably he probably had a lot more control at the RB clubs compared to what he would at United because mm. United commercial powerhouse. Like you can't dispute that fact. Exactly. No, no one on the board would want to give him more power than he needs. You don't, you don't want to give so much power to one man because it could end up being different from what Man United wanted or what some players are wanting or what the academies wanted. And yeah. it just takes you about five, four steps and it's not great. Yeah. Not so great. I, I, just, I just feel that I don't feel his impact will be as great as the RB clubs mm. at United compared to it just simply because of the fact that the commercial powerhouses, they were relatively small Mm-hmm. Uh, clubs taken over by a massive corporation, basically. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Man United are. They're basically a content club, just full of content. And like Arsenal are full of like retro designs nowadays as well. So they're not yeah, like, like, caring about what's just, coming on the pitch. They just want to release new jackets every time. Yeah, I'm so sure seeing all the memes like Arsenal stripped off Birmingham captaincy. How about a couple <laughs> of retro kits? <laughs> new kids coming out. We don't we don't care about Obama. You don't care about this. Yeah. Um, this new 60, 70 quid jacket you can buy for Christmas. You'll love it, mate. You'll love it. Interesting. And the, the, the players will wear it as they walk out on the pitch. And then two weeks later, on, and the next time, they'll wear a different jacket. And you're like, oh my God, so many jackets to buy. Crazy. Uh, next question. We've got two more. Uh, so next question. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to swear. Um, two more. <laughs> you might want to blur that out. Blur. Not suitable for work environment with that. With that yeah. Um, two questions left. One question. Oh, okay, we'll go for this one. Name one player who you believe has been underrated their whole career, uh, retired or currently playing. Parky song, hundred percent. Mm. Last last time when we did this, Parky song was a big hit as well. Parky song and Michael Carrick were big hits on this one. Yeah, I was thinking of Michael Carrick, Parky song definitely. <laughs> like just great players. Um, mm. it's, it's really hard to. No, you you can sit with Parky song. It's fine. Um, just tell us why <laughs> Parky song was underrated for you. Because you know he Parky song just did all the dirty work. No problems whatsoever, whatsoever. Like, I need you to run around for nine minutes tracking Perlo as an example, which I think he did one of the games, yeah. and he just did that. Just no complaints. Okay, cool. Let's go. That's my job. This is my job, and it worked so effectively for him because he wasn't the type of player to complain. And he was a team player, and you need hundred percent in a team. A hundred percent. Like you can have all like Galacticos or whatever, but don't if you're quote not me on that. All team, all teams need a team player. That's that's nothing new. It's just the <laughs> fact that I needed to say it like that. <laughs> Sorry. All teams on. need a, all teams need a player to do the dirty work, mm-hmm. like breaking they a player. And everything. They need a sacrificial lamb somewhere or other, and that's what. Yeah, that's like you can't have a team full of Galacticos. And no one willing to put in the day work to make it <laughs> click. It was... I'm I'm actually thinking. I was like, was there a Galactico that did the dirty work? And was that why they never won the Champions League? I'm just trying to think. Akaleli of... left before the Galacticos came. Yeah. Guti was on the bench. David Beckham was on the right hand side. But he wasn't going to had... do. He wasn't going to do everything in the middle. They had Thomas Gravison. For a while, but he didn't even get in a team for goodness sake. Yeah, like you know, they had Figo, they had Raul, they had like Zidane, Ronaldo, Roberto Carlos, Helguera. Um, yeah, um, Woodgate. Like, <laughs> how could I forget the actual goat himself? Uh, my guy, Jonathan, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I genuinely think it's that one, like, like if you look at that team sheet mm. as a player, you're like, these are all great players. But then I suppose it's different when you're playing against them because you've probably got a bit more time than you expect to pass, to make a shot, to do whatever. Um, I'm sure Sergio Ramos was there during that time because he's really, really young. Yeah, he was coming through. So they bought him from Sevilla, like 18 yeah. or 19 years old, and he's playing right back some games as well. So he must have been there after Salgado retired or went around the same kind of time as well. So. Yeah. Even then, there was no real workhorse in that team that was like, "Come on!" No, like if if that team had an Essien, mm. uh, a Makaleli, a Kante, 
they would have swept through Europe 100%. And that's what Chelsea Even. did. They got Makaleli and Essien in that midfield. And they yeah, and just a, seven goals or 15 goals or whatever it was before. Yeah, midfield. just a midfield destroying partnership is like, it's just horrible to play against. You can just imagine that. Mm. No, I <sighs> agree completely. Um, for me, if I had to name someone who's underrated and underappreciated, I mean, I could say Tony Cruz, but I've been banging on about Tony Cruz for a long time. No, you know, I think the Tony Cruz is starting to get a lot more recognition than he... Ever since Ronaldo left, he's been getting a lot of recognition. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, yeah, so I really like, like Tony Cruz like, as a midfielder. Based on your current sort of, what's it called? I wouldn't say he's underrated. I said he's getting all the plaudits that he's deserving. Okay, but that's because, fair enough then. Um, because you think about it, if you got Ronaldo in your team and he's bagging 35, 40 goals a season, but he's getting 30 of them. Yes, exactly. Plus 30 plus goals every season consistently. Like, no matter how good you play anywhere else, yeah, because he's scoring so many goals, and that just all the focus goes on him. So, I wouldn't now he's gone, I wouldn't say he's uh, gonna be one of those. Okay, let's go for someone. Who can I say is underrated? That's the thing. It was the hardest part. It's like it's, it's a hard one as well because I'm thinking of, of people, but I I quite rate them. So it's like looking yeah. at um, some players that are good. Uh, I personally think that having having someone like um like people say Jorginho, people say Kanté, but for me, I think Matteo Kovacic is a very underrated centre midfielder. Uh, for Chelsea, I think there's a big reason of why Thomas Tuchel can play the way that he does, and he's kept Kante at the team numerous times. And Kante and Jorginho in that midfield have done really well for Chelsea. Yeah. And I hate giving Chelsea plaudits, but since they've had Thomas Tuchel, uh, you can't really say much wrong about them. Besides this um, last couple of months, uh, last couple of uh, weeks of having bad form. That draw against United has absolutely rattled Thomas Tuchel. When Sancho is dancing over Mendy, that's literally <laughs> what happened. Yeah. Just imagine how bad Chelsea would have been if Fred scored that chip against Mendy. Or we just pass it to Ronaldo or something like that. That would have been something different. That would have been much better. (laughs) Or the mental damage done to Chelsea fans knowing that the the best keeper in the world got chipped by Fred. Imagine. They'd have no way of recovering from that as well. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I think Mateo Kovacic, I always look at midfielders and I think what they actually do in the middle of the park and how he's been a very good player for Real Madrid, been a very good player for Inter Milan, especially for Croatia as well. Like 2018, tournament when you had Rakitic, Modric and Kovacic coming in the team every now and then to get to the yeah. final. Except yeah. I, I, the thing is, I feel as if midfield is the place where you will always find underrated players. It like, is. It, it has the most amount of underrated players compared to everywhere else. It's, it's like that prime example of Gerard Lampard and goals. People go for Gerard and Lampard because of the goals and the assists and the stats and everything. But if you look at Paul Scholes and what he actually did in the football game, and the players who have lauded over Paul's goals and the manager. Yeah. It's the people yeah. that know what he can actually do to influence the game. He may not have got as many goals or assists or whatever, but he influenced how people played around him. He could slow the game down. He could yeah. speed the game yeah. up. And um, it's, it's like you said, midfield players, you're rather overrated or underrated. Like there's no one, there, there, are, there are very few people in the Premier you can think, oh yeah, he's pretty good. I'll, I'll I'll hang my hat on him in a way in terms of like you you could back him in an argument but Kovacic yeah. I think is very underrated for me yeah, um, I agree with that final final one that we've got um, what's your wild card for the next year so basically it's a what's the wild card for 2021 but now we're going into 2022 so this basically means like if there's a player that's going to come through or you have like a wild suggestion or a wild opinion Someone random like Ajax is going to win the Champions League or whatever. <laughs> um, now's your time to go for it. Here's so in one of the uh, group chats I'm in on WhatsApp, uh, one of my Portuguese friends. <laughs> my <I've> got, <laughs> uh, one of my friends kept saying that uh, United to win the Champions League, Ooh. which, which, like, I'm like, okay. As a Man United but, fan, you want to believe it. You want to believe the hype of a new manager coming yeah. in mid-season. And yeah, because he came in through. a very similar time as Tuchel, very mm. similar position as Tuchel when he came in. You know, I suppose like I'm not, I'm, I'm not believing that at all. But mm. I think it depends on how the January transfer window goes and how fit Varane can stay. And honestly, I'll be honest, I don't care about Pogba. 
just not bothered about whatever happens with him. I'm not bothered. Pogba, like, Lingard, and Martial—they can go or stay. I couldn't care less what they want. Yeah, like, I hate when players be... think they're bigger than the club. And 100%. I, I really, I really back Paul Pogba in any single argument I possibly had. But it's just the fact that if he's like, oh, I'm not sure I want to stay or go. To be fair, he hasn't played in the right game, so he doesn't know how he's going to be or where he's going to fit in the system. So we can understand yeah. that bit. But it's just the fact that it, we could have sold him in the summer and got some money and replaced him for someone who we could have got for the next three, four years as well, which could have been beneficial. Yeah. It is what it is. But the Champions League, always there's always a luck of the draw that always... There's always luck. It's just, yeah. how do you think it's going to go without away goals this year? Do you reckon it's going to be beneficial for some teams or not as good? I know we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but for Man United, do you reckon it could benefit us in a way? Uh, n- not really, because like if you think about like United's performance in the Champions League, the, the mm. great comebacks have always been on away goals. Exactly. Or because they got an away goal before in the first leg. And it just made them easy. It just made it easier. That away goal did make it a bit easier. If you like lost the game two one, but you know, while well, I only have to score one at home and mm. not concede, and you're through. So it, it's a bit of a. It's it's going to be tough because we've not really faced Atletico many times in the Champions League at all. Yeah, which is going to be tough because Diego Simeone just makes his players play that they battle they leave everything on that pitch but again we've got Ronaldo who's absolutely decimated them before and I'm I'm hoping him, but, and he does it again because if Ronaldo does win the Champions League with United I'll be I'll be so happy mm. I'm so happy It'd be the it'd be the thing I've said this earlier in the year as well. I think if he was to win a Champions League or a Premier League with Man United, no longer a Premier League, but if he was to win a Champions League with Man United, that would determine as the greatest player of all time over Messi because he's come back at an old age for a club that is no longer the size or the stature or the quality that it once was when he was playing, and he'd do it by himself inevitably. With, with the new I United. suppose that that's what a lot of people were thinking that he'd do it Juventus for. Mm. So that's, that, that's that one thing that Juventus were missing in modern times as well, and they just didn't have it in them to do it. But yeah, I just I think it was just a Juventus thing, mm. um, where they just weren't all there completely in terms of the Champions League fixtures. Yeah, that Amazon series showed that they had, didn't have that mentality that was needed to win the Champions League. You had a couple of people shouting and barking orders and stuff, but people were like, "Oh yeah, if we're not playing well, it's fine. Don't worry, stop shouting. We don't need to do this and that." And Ronaldo's like, "You mother." We can't be doing. We can't be doing anything <laughs> to win the Champions League. We have to be yeah, self-critical it, of ourselves, and like, yeah, oh, you no, always have to demand game. perfection. Yeah, you can't demand perfection. Then what's the point of being a professional footballer at the elite level? Yeah, which is again back to my point earlier. Ronaldo biggest impact on football compared to Ronaldinho. Exactly. Um, to finish it off, my my bold statement is going to be the Qatar World Cup. We'll see a lot of injuries. It will see a lot of players. Um, not turning up because of the demands in the season as, season as well. Because as we're looking at it at this time of speaking, we're in December 2021. This time next year, the World Cup final is on uh, the 18th of December 2022. It starts in November. There's going to have people leaving in November for their um, World Cup qualifications, uh, not qualifications, the warm-up games and all of that. I think it's going to be a dreadful preparation if there's still more stops and starts because of COVID and there's going to be more games that they need to play all in one, I think we're going to see more of these players um, having heart problems like Christian Eriksen or breathing problems like Victor Lindelof. And I think it's going to be very difficult for a lot of these players to continue playing. With only two months off-season from June and July to then start the season back up again in August, to then break away in November, to then go away to Qatar, potentially away for a month and a half, two months, then come back and continue the Premier League all the way till May, June. I think that's going to be dreadful. And I think it's going to be a bad, bad thing to see how it's going I to I kind of agree with you there. Um, I think it mainly depends on what happens with with COVID. If it keeps stopping everything and like putting lockdowns and stuff on and like ruining football, it's going to make things a lot more... <sighs> tedious to, to say to watch it and they agree there probably will be a lot of injuries but I don't think there'll be that sort of thing I think there'll be like more 
muscle injuries because players haven't had like a proper rest and they don't get to like because the great thing about the World Cup being in summer is players would have a little bit of a rest period before the World Cup actually started. Mm-hmm. And some like, seasons and some countries finish earlier as well, so they have more time to recover. Yeah, it, exactly. And that, I think that's the like, that's going to be the hardest thing to see. Like, I'll, I'll stop me wrong. I'll still watch it. Still be, you know, watching every game that I can. Still got our hot chocolate and watching it whilst having biscuits in, in this freezing cold weather. Watching. Well, listen. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's difficult, man. It's it's I. I don't believe this World Cup is going to be a memorable. I re- sorry, let me rephrase that. It's going to be memorable for all the wrong reasons. I agree, and I hope I'm wrong. I'd like to be proved wrong on what I just said as well, because obviously it's going to be in an Islamic country. There's going to be um, Islamic backing um, from uh, from around the Arab nations as well for it to be successful, so they can then continue to um, build and develop their own kind of stature, um, state st- status in football in the footballing world, like the yeah. UAE and Saudi Arabia and all of that. But I think it's just the fact that it's taken so long. We've seen so many human rights violated. Yeah. Uh, the fact that David Beckham is the official ambassador of the Qatar World Cup pisses me off so, so much, man. Like your footballing <laughs> hero backs the Qatar World Cup after all the deaths, after his mate Gary Neville goes to Qatar and sees the atrocities that have happened in Qatar in terms of how they've yeah. prepared for it. The people that have died making stadiums, the uh, underpaid labourers and everything. That yeah. annoys me. Not really the David Beckham thing, the fact that people are publicly backing this. It's just tedious, it, like you said. The, the, the again, speaking of the human rights violation, like the Newcastle takeover that was stopped before, hmm. two reasons they gave is the human rights violation, the, the amount of Premier League, illegal Premier League streaming that happened in those countries. Yeah. Which issue got sold first? The one that cost them the most money? Streaming rights. Exactly. Streaming, Streaming rights, rights got sold first because it's just the way it is. Uh, we normally end the podcast on a happy note. So <laughs> we'll change the topic one last time. Amma, if you wanted to see one player make a comeback into good form, this is just a question for me. One player into good form for the, uh, the next uh, part of the year for, to the end of the season. Who would it be and why? So one player who's been down on their luck, they haven't scored or assisted or had much luck in defence or in the first team. Who would it be and why? I would have said Jao Felix, but Jao Felix is going to be playing against Man United and I don't want him to have any good form. (laughs) That being said, I'll probably just think... You wanted to be red uh, on the FIFA form tracker or whatever there is. Um, They're going down, down and down. I don't want that to happen. I was just trying to think, like, which player do I like? It's like, you know, he's great. He's just been really unlucky, and I'd probably say Van der Beek because I really want to see him play. Like the way he played at Ajax, the fact that he's got essentially what is a dream move for him, mm-hmm. and to play the cumulative what two hundred and fifty minutes. Yeah, if Not that, enough. it's a bit. Bit. Of, I would just love to see him play more. Um, that's it. I like. I just want to see him play. I want to see him do more. I want him to see. I want to see him having fun because I saw him play against young boys and he gave the goal away. And you're just there thinking, for goodness' sake, man! Just when you have an opportunity. But to be fair, he's playing in a holding midfield role, which he wasn't really comfortable um, going yeah. into as well. So it's just a bit of a different situation. Uh, yeah, I just think he's just been unlucky with everything. Like he thought, oh, I generally think he is just an unlucky, unlucky player. Mm-hmm. Right move, wrong time, maybe. Possibly, most likely, I would say. Um, wrong manager I know the manager spent ages trying to court him and bring him into the club but it just wasn't the case for him I I would say as well Um, and for me if I was to say one player who I'd like to see make a comeback or get onto a a good vein of form for me it would be who could I go for I'd I'd like to see um, Rafael Liao do very well at AC Milan I think it would be very good because they're no longer in the Champions League but I still like to see him make a name for himself and potentially push um, his name further out into Europe a bit more as well. Because I feel like, for me, who had watched a lot of AC Milan last season during lockdown and everything like that, I, I quite enjoyed watching um, Liao as a left winger or a, or a second striker, perhaps. But the fact that they're now out of the Champions League and out of Europe completely, I wanted to see a bit more from them in terms of um, their young players coming through. So I'd like to see him and uh, Jens Peter Hauger, who's another winger for AC Milan as well, do very well. But I think it's just the fact that I want to see more in the, yeah, 
I can't really say anyone from the last 16 because they've kind of qualified through anyway. All the young players that I was thinking about, they've already yeah. gone through to the next stage. I think just Rafael Liao and Jens Petter from AC Milan, it would be good. Because in the Premier League, I don't want any of them to do well unless they play for Man United. <laughs> I was going to say like Martial, but Martial's like, he could be going. So good, good luck to you, Martial, if you were to go somewhere. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not exactly what you mean. It's, it's, it's tricky. It is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. That's how it goes. Um, but no, we'll leave it there. Amar, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. If you're from Saudi Arabia or Qatar or from any of the um, Arab countries and you heard what we said, please fix don't find rights. us. Fix human rights. Don't find us. We do not live in England. We live in France. Come to France. We speak fluent English, but come to France because that's where we live. Bonjour. That's that, bonjour. That's where the IP address is right now as well. So you know, you know where we are. We're definitely not in England. Um, <laughs> But everyone listening, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for listening to our improvised podcast after the whole Premier League is coming to uh, a temporary closure from what I can hear and from what we're kind of reading about at the moment, which is quite sad. Project re-restart. Double restart. We've just um, taken the batteries out and put the batteries back in again for the remote. And now uh, we're just hitting the back of the remote to try and get it to work again. That's what the Premier League are doing to, the, to yeah. right now. But everyone stay safe. Enjoy your time over the Christmas period. And for you Muslims out there who don't celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> enjoy your don't, time off. Enjoy your time off and don't be haram. That's all I got to say. All I got to say. Don't be buying presents for people. That's just haram. But everyone's celebrating Christmas. Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. And watch Home Alone and Batman Returns. And Die Hard. And Die Hard. Go watch Die Hard. And Harry Potter. And The Matrix uh, in the cinema as well. So, so it's meant to be a football podcast. <laughs> we've, we've ended with a bit of a flourish, so we can leave it there. Uh, as well. but no, yeah. Let's go. See everyone later. Take care and goodbye.